0: Uh, Good morning, everyone. Uh, Welcome to church. Uh, My name's Pete Cheng. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at the Lakes Church. I look after the kids, uh, youth and young adults domains in in church uh, here. And yeah, it's my pleasure this morning to be able to open up uh, God's Word with you all. Now, I know it was a couple of days ago, uh, but I want you to cast your minds back to Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, so consider the emotion and excitement of it all. Now, most kids, and quite a few adults probably, uh, could barely contain themselves. And I, I know myself, uh, My for my kids, they struggled uh, to contain all that uh, emotion. Uh, one child of ours, I, I won't embarrass them by saying their name, but they woke Sonia and I up on Monday morning uh, trying to convince us that because last week was going to be a busy lead up to Christmas, then Monday would be a really good time to open presents. Now, actually, a bit of a confession here, uh, we actually caved in and let our kids open some presents before Christmas Day, not, not on Monday, not that early, but a little later uh, in the, the week. Now, look, I'm not proud of that, uh, but it's a tough gig being a parent it's, it's really tough trying to rein in that excitement and joy. The lead up to Christmas has so much build up and anticipation surrounding it. Now, it, it kind of reminded me of a situation uh, last year. So I support the Liverpool Football Club. Uh, so they're a soccer club in the English Premier League. And I've supported them uh, for a long time, a really long time. I've even got uh, proof of that. So Just here, this is my proof that I've supported Liverpool for a long time. So this is a jersey, there you go, it's a Liverpool jersey Um, and it was given to me in 1996. Now I know that's a pretty specific date, Um, it's not as though I've got awesome memory, but I know that this jersey was given to me in 1996 uh, because in 1996 when I was in year 10, I... I broke my leg playing soccer and as, as a gift from my teammates to try and kind of um, cheer me up, they gave me uh, this soccer jersey. So, so there it is. So that, that makes this jersey 25 years old. Um, that's really old. It, it doesn't get a lot of use so it kind of looks really in good condition actually. Um, in the whole time that I've supported Liverpool, so at least 25 years, they had never won the league title. But last year, that all changed uh, because last year, they won the league title. And when they did, every single Liverpool supporter just partied. They were super stoked. There were celebrations everywhere because after such a long time, they had finally done it. They'd finally won. Now, today in the Gospel of Luke, we, we meet a couple of other characters who likewise are eagerly waiting for something to happen. And when that thing does happen, then their joy and their excitement is just clear to see. So who are these two characters? Well, there's a man named Simeon uh, and a prophet called Anna. And what is it that these two were looking forward to? Well, hopefully you've got your Bibles open there. Um, We're going to be focusing in on Luke chapter 2. In verse 25 of Luke chapter 2, Simeon, we're told, was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And likewise, if you look at verse 38, Anna was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, these two phrases, they could almost be used interchangeably. What is it that they mean? Well, Simeon, he was looking forward to a time when God would console or comfort his people. So, so much like this present that I got over 25 years ago now, um, that I got 25 years ago, my, my teammates gave me this present to try to console me from my broken leg and my inability to do anything for six months or whatever it was. So Simeon was looking forward to a time when God would come to comfort his people. And from our time in the chapters of Luke, um, following uh, Luke chapter 2, we know that Luke draws much upon the book of Isaiah to highlight what God will do in the person of Jesus. You know, previously we've already looked at Isaiah chapter 40, um, but just to remind ourselves what Isaiah chapter 40 is about, Isaiah 40 Uh, looks forward to a time where God would come to comfort his people. See, um, Israel had been oppressed and downtrodden. Uh, They had rejected God and they were paying uh, their due penalty for their rebellion. But that uh, punishment, that oppression would not last because God would return to his people. He would reverse their fortunes and restore them. He would provide strength and hope for his people. That's what Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus. Um, And that's what Simeon, this faithful Israelite, was looking forward to. For the nation of Israel, that's a really long time to be waiting. No doubt many would have given up on those promises that God would return to his people and rescue them from the hands of their enemies. So much time had passed that the excitement and joy of God returning would have well and truly faded for a lot of Israelites. But there were a handful of faithful Israelites who held firmly to the promises of God. Um, Simeon was one of those and likewise Anna. Anna was looking forward to the redemption of Israel. So the the meaning behind Israel is simply the idea of being saved. She longed for the day when God would send a saviour to reverse the fortunes of the people. And even though a long time had passed, she knew God. She knew that God was trustworthy She knew that God was a promise keeper. She knew that God always kept his word. And so because of all those things, she was able to hope, she was able to trust in God that he would do what he said he would. And even though those uh, promises were centuries old, he said it and so it would happen. That is faithfulness Exemplified right there to take hold of the promises of God and to trust. And I think for all of us here today, we've, we've got a lot to learn there. See, us in our position, uh, we're not waiting for the Saviour Jesus um, to come because He's already come. But as His followers, we accord to patiently await His return. See, a long time has passed. Uh, since Jesus rose from the dead and promised to return and bring all of his people home with him. And you might be tempted to abandon hope that Jesus would ever return, because it has been 2,000 years after all. We might be tempted to live for the here and now and all the trappings that this world has to offer. But we must never forget the riches on offer when Jesus Christ returns we need to make that our heart's desire because tr- uh, heaven is our true home. So look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We must be good waiters, waiting for the return of the Lord. Let us us eagerly await that day, knowing that when he returns, everything will be made right. Everything will be restored. And let's not grow weary in waiting, but that we might keep trusting God, because we know that he keeps his word. He's a promise keeper. He said it, it will happen. Now, back to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, What is it that these faithful followers of the Lord have to say about this baby Jesus? Now, we're not given much detail about what Anna has to say about Jesus, just that she spoke well of him and that she gave thanks to God for him. So let's dig a little bit more into what Simeon has to say about this child Jesus. So the first thing to notice comes in verse 29, verse 29. Um, and 30 of Luke chapter 2. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. See, this child Jesus is the saviour. He's the one who God will use to rescue his people. See, for Israel, they had always faced military threat from the superpowers of the time. And in Simeon's day, The Romans occupied Israel and they had controlling rule over the nation. But Israel's problems were always much bigger than just the surrounding nations of the time. Because Israel had a heart problem. Israel had a God problem. So he was their loving Lord. But time and time again, they would fail to live for him as they should. Even though God had been with them and even though he'd provided for them and rescued them time and time again, their hearts failed to honour and give glory to God as they should. Israel ultimately had a sin problem and they needed saving from that. And in the person of Jesus, that saving is made possible. So how does Jesus bring salvation? Well, he does it by taking the place of sinners. He does it by taking the punishment due for sins onto himself so that we could be forgiven. So this is what um, 1 Peter chapter 3.18 says. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. See, Jesus was perfect. He never sinned. He was righteous. He was all good with God. But he died in our place. He died as our substitute. That is the amazing message of salvation that Jesus brings. Now, I want to tell you just a bit of a story about Mike um, and Lainey Perdue, so that's them on the screen there. Uh, so Mike and Lainey, they were travelling on a light kind of aeroplane uh, with a handful of others, and they were travelling to their holiday destination. Uh, there were problems with the plane, and, yeah, eventually it, it went down, it crashed. Uh, everyone on that plane died apart from Laney, So she, she was the sole survivor. And the only reason she survived is because her dad um, kind of bear-hugged her as the, as the plane was going down to crash, um, and that saved her life. Um, her father sacrificed his own life for the sake of Laney, And in a very similar, but I want to say much more profound way, Jesus does the same thing for us. Um, Jesus died to kind of shield us from God's anger and wrath and judgment so that we might live instead. His death meant life for us. And Simeon, he was so overwhelmed at the arrival of the Saviour that his life was now complete. You know, the one thing that he had longed for his whole life had finally come at the sight of the saviour he could rest in peace all that he had longed for had found its fulfillment in jesus but the great thing about jesus is that his salvation goes beyond the nation of israel that's the next thing to notice this salvation which simeon delighted in verse 31 had been prepared in the sight of all nations Verse 32, it was a light for revelation to the Gentiles. So Jesus' work is so big, so grand, that it goes beyond the nation of Israel. Jesus has come as the saviour of the entire world. And that's really good news for us Gentiles or non-Jews, because it means that Jesus' sacrifice, what he did for us on the cross, is an offer that's open to all of us. See, as Gentiles, we were once excluded from the promises of God, but now with the coming of Jesus, He has opened up a path for us to be made right with God. We were once in darkness, but Jesus has come as the light to expose our corruption and our sin. But Jesus isn't content just to come to um, show up our wrongdoing and, and to point the finger. In his love, he offers up his life for us so that we wouldn't stay in darkness but live in the light and the wonder of the gospel. See, Jesus has come to call all who are in darkness, that's you and that's me, into his glorious light. And in that light, we find life. In that light, we find forgiveness. In that light, we find pure joy. In that light, we find true personhood as we become incorporated into the family of God. They are the promises that Jesus holds out to all who would trust in him. All those promises are sure, they're secure because God said it And so they will happen now the last thing to notice about what simeon has to say about this baby jesus comes to us in verse 34 and 35 then simeon blessed them and said to mary his mother this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in israel to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. See, Jesus will be a polarizing figure. He will cause the rising and falling of many. People will respond differently to Jesus' offer of grace. Some will love him for it, others will despise him. I wonder where you stand when it comes to Jesus. Now, the Apostle Paul, he he picks up this aspect of Jesus' ministry in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. See, the message of Jesus divides. To some, he's the stench of death. The thought of following Jesus just seems repugnant and offensive. But to others, Jesus is the aroma of life. Sweet, gentle, loving, amazing. See, Jesus hasn't come to win friends. He has come to win souls. He has come as the saviour of the world. You know, some won't want anything to do with him and his claims, but others will cherish his message and glory in the salvation that he brings. I wonder which camp you fall into. Because the thing is, with Jesus, there is no fence sitting. You're either for Jesus and thus find mercy and forgiveness, or you're against Him and are condemned to face His judgment. And another thing with Jesus is that there's no fooling Him. You know, we're we're really good at putting on a front to those around us, Often we're really good at even fooling ourselves into thinking that we're better than we um, actually are. But Jesus is the great revealer of hearts. You know, Santa doesn't actually know whether we've been bad or not, but Jesus sees truly. He peers deep within our hearts and our souls, and He sees everything. And if we're to deny that fact, then it would make us worse than the child who kind of gorges on a piece of cake and then later denies having, anything, having done anything of the sort. Before Jesus, our lives are laid bare. Uh, and, and I think that's actually a terrifying thought. But the thing is, it doesn't have to be that way because He has come as our Saviour. He has come in our place to cover over the sin and the darkness. If we are followers of Jesus, then instead of the corruption and rebellion of our hearts, Jesus instead sees the love and purity of Jesus. All right, we're going to fast forward a bit uh, in the narrative now. So having seen um, and considered the reactions to Jesus as a baby. The next recorded incident in the gospel relates to Jesus uh, as a 12-year-old. So um, again, if you've got your Bibles open at Luke chapter 2, pick it up from verse um, 41. Um, it's, it's a bit funny at times, so let's have a read. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day. Then they began to looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him there. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. See, as a family, um, Mary and Joseph, they would travel to Jerusalem each year to celebrate Passover. So Passover was that festival that Israel celebrated of how God had rescued them out of slavery, out of the hands of the Egyptians, their oppressors. Um, So Passover, celebrating Passover, it was a big deal. Um, it was also quite a journey. So from Jesus' hometown of Nazareth to Jerusalem, it was roughly a hundred kilometers. And so when you're doing that on foot, that's a, that's a three-day journey. Samaria so and Joseph they journey to Jerusalem for Passover. Um, they hang out there. They do all the celebrations. They remember the great things that God has done uh, for them, and then they turn around and start the three-day journey back home. And we're told a day into their trip, they kind of look around and they realise that Jesus isn't there. Um, For a journey of that kind of length, they would have been travelling in a group. It would have been much safer to do it that way. But yeah, you could imagine the kind of conversations that took place um, probably that first evening of the journey when they would have tried to settle down for the night. Um, so Mary and Joseph, they look around and they realise um, that Jesus isn't there. Mary, I, I thought you had him. Joseph, I thought he was he was walking and talking with you. Ah, what's happened? It's totally a Home Alone moment, isn't it? Now, we've recently introduced our kids to Home Alone uh, and, and they're really loving it. Um, there's actually a brand new Home Alone that, that's just come out. It's not as good as the original, but still good fun. But think back to that um, first uh, Home Alone, the Macaulay Culkin one. There's that moment when Kate McAllister realises that she's left Kevin behind. Uh, I think it's uh, when she's on the plane and and all of a sudden um, it dawns on her that she's left her son behind. The whole family is on this plane to, to go to their holidays and they've left Kevin behind. It's kind of the same thing that's happening here with Jesus. His mum and dad and extended family have all left to begin the long trek back to Nazareth. But Jesus has stayed behind. So the question that we got asked is, why does he stay behind? So Mary, obviously, is really worried. That's totally understandable. Um, Where's your your teenage son? This is Jesus' reply to his mum when he's asked what he was thinking in staying behind in Jerusalem. Verse 49: Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my Father's house? See, Jesus seems a bit surprised by Mary's questioning. Of course, he had to be in the temple. That's what he was thinking anyway. And we're told that while in the temple, Jesus was listening to and inquisitive of the teachers there. But he wasn't just listening, he was also doing some teaching of his own, since we're told that all were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Uh, It's pretty amazing in itself that this 12-year-old would inspire and even amaze these learned scholars in the temple. But this episode highlights that even from a young age, Jesus had a firm understanding of his mission and identity. He knew it was a priority and and even a necessity for him to be in his father's house. He knew it was his role to teach the people about his father. He knew that he had to be in the temple uh, instructing and teaching the people about his heavenly Father. And notice too, that little word that Jesus uses when referring to God. He calls the Father, His Father. My Father, that's what Jesus says. Now, who else refers to God in this way? No one. You know, blink and we might have missed it, but here Jesus is making a massive claim about um, Himself. Himself. He's calling God his Father. So even from a very young age, Jesus understands his unique relationship with the Father. He sees himself as the Son of God. That is massive. Now, when we're not told that anyone present was astonished by this claim of Jesus. Maybe they just dismissed it as an innocent slip from a 12-year-old. But the thing is, Jesus doesn't make innocent slips. And when we see Jesus say a similar thing as an adult, then the religious leaders are ready to kill him for it. So John chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, "'My father is always at at his work to this very day, "'and I too am working.'" For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus claims to be the son of God, and it is this very fact that makes it possible for him to bear our sins for us. Can you see just how wonderful and amazing Jesus is? This Christmas period, let us remember and celebrate Christ as the true source of joy and triumph. God with us, the saviour of the world. See, many faithful people of God waited such a long time to see this day. Now we get to see God's salvation fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And what great news that is. Let's hold firm to Jesus, knowing his sacrifice achieves for us redemption, cleansing, forgiveness, and salvation. Let us find comfort and gladness knowing that God has kept his promises of rescuing his people. And as we wait for the Lord's return, let us do so expectantly, not clinging to the things of this world, but fixing our eyes firmly on Jesus, firmly on the future to come, knowing that Jesus will take all who are his home with him into eternity. Now, you might not be at this stage uh, just yet, and I'll say that's okay. You know, in verse 51 of Luke chapter 2, we're told that Mary treasured all these things in her heart about Jesus because she hadn't pieced together all that there was to know about jesus Um, it would take her some time before that would happen so put you put yourself in mary's shoes angels appear to her saying all these great and amazing things about her baby faithful israelites um, declaring that this baby of yours is going to be god's salvation for all humanity and this child might even be the son of god Now, I'm sure she would have been elated, but there's a lot to take in as well. Now, I realise that Jesus makes some pretty big and outrageous claims about himself, and that sort of thing can be hard to fathom and believe. But I want to encourage you to keep pondering, to keep thinking, to keep wrestling with these realities, because Jesus' life and character matches up with the great expectations spoken about him. I have truly come to believe that. I know many people here today have truly come to believe that. And many, many more people around the world have come to believe that as well. Now, for you, a great way to continue exploring the claims of Jesus and his life, what he did, what he was on about, is through the Life Series. So we run the Life Series very regularly. In church life. um, We're looking to put one on in the new year in Feb. Um, And life is a great opportunity for you to explore the claims of Jesus, open up um, his word, read through one of the um, biographies of Jesus and to ask any and every question that you can have about Jesus. Um, So yeah, keep an eye out for that, our life series beginning in Feb. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for Jesus that he is the long-awaited saviour of the world. Father, thanks for his death on our behalf and that that death restores our relationship with you. Father, as we continue to celebrate this holiday period, keep our hearts and our minds fixed firmly on Christ and the life to come with him into eternity. And we pray these things through his mighty name. Amen.